0: Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of James chapter 1, verses 17 to 27, and chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. In February, 2021, the Board of General Superintendents launched a new global framework for Nazarene discipleship in the Church of the Nazarene. The framework defines a distinctly Nazarene pathway of discipleship. We call the framework a journey of grace. Discipleship is a journey that lasts a lifetime. At any point along the journey, we are either drawing closer to God or moving farther away from Him. We cannot be stagnant. The journey is defined By God's grace, your discipleship journey is initiated by God, not by you. God's gracious love, you see, draws you to himself. What your discipleship journey looks like is determined by your response to God's grace. Are you open to him, obedient to him, receptive to his spirit? Or are you rejecting him, disobedient to him, demanding your way? As Wesleyan holiness people, we speak of God's grace in three particular ways. Provenient grace is God's gracious love that goes before, that comes to people lost in their sin and awakens them to the the knowledge of their need for God. Saving grace is God's grace that enables people to repent and believe in Jesus for salvation. And sanctifying grace is God's grace that transforms the person from the inside out, enabling that person to truly live like Jesus, culminating in a crisis moment of consecration, being filled with the Spirit and having our heart purified by faith. Nazarenes call this crisis moment in the life of a believer entire sanctification. So the journey of grace goes from no faith to new faith, to mature faith. Discipleship includes the entire journey, and it's, it is all possible because of God's grace from first to last. Making disciples, then, is walking intentionally with a lost person to the cross, helping that person cross the line of faith, and then staying with him or her through the discipleship process, until he or she is fully surrendered, spirit-filled, disciple-making follower of Jesus. I felt the need for us to begin today with the big picture, the map of where we're going, because our teaching and preaching in the church and in our neighborhoods must do two things. First, we must help people know how to be saved and sanctified. But second, we must also help people know what living as a saved and sanctified believer looks like. Both of these tasks are a part of the discipleship pathway. The second part defines what the writer of James would refer to as faith being displayed by works. Today, we're beginning a five-week study on the New Testament letter James, The letter of James is referred to as a general epistle of the New Testament and is written to inspire believers to live lives of holiness as a witness to the grace of God that saves and sanctifies them. The book of James is possibly the earliest writing in all the New Testament, written maybe in the late 40s or early 50s AD. Scholars believe that James was written by the half-brother of Jesus. The book of James is often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament and is considered by most to fall into a biblical genre called wisdom literature. James borrows liberally from the Old Testament by quoting the law from Leviticus chapter 19 and alluding many times to the prophets and to the wisdom literature of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. While James is written from a Jewish perspective, it is written to a general audience of believers, wherever they may be, and not to one specific church or Christians in one particular city. James is not intended to tell someone how they are to be saved. It is certainly not saying that a person is saved by works. Instead, it begins with the assumption that its readers are already in the kingdom of God, have faith in Christ, and are walking by grace. What James is intended to do is to deliver practical exhortations and strongly worded encouragement to connect right belief to right actions— orthodoxy to holy living, or faith to works. So let's begin our lesson for this week in chapter one of James, starting in verse 17 and going through verse 27. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James cha- And then skipping to James chapter two, verses 14 to 18. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Our passage for this week begins with a wonderful truth. The fountain of goodness and grace is the God who lavishes his love on us. In the Greek language, verse 17 literally says, every good gift and every perfect present is from above. These words use parallelism of Hebrew poetry to draw the similarities of a good gift and a perfect presence. James is known for his allusion to wisdom literature, and some scholars believe that the first part of verse 17 was originally a common proverb that James simply altered for effect. Remember, James is writing to a people who are enduring trials of many kinds. He is counteracting the idea that God is a source of temptations rather than tempting us, God is the source of every good thing that happens in this world. James reminds believers that when wherever we see good around the world, God's fingerprints are evident. This is critical for believers today. Let me explain. We live in a day when everyone points out what is wrong. The judgment of people is so very strong today. Everyone, it seems, judges everyone's motives. Spending five minutes on the national news or five minutes on social media is enough to convince you that there is very little good in the world. But God is active around us, showering good if we will only notice it. Can God's children seek the good in life? pointing people to the foundation, to the fountain of such goodness, God himself, instead of mirroring the culture by pointing out the bad? Take a moment to consider one good thing that happened to you in this past week. Do you believe that God is the originator of that good thing? Think about the way God was working to make that good thing come to pass. Take a moment to thank Jesus for what he did. This spiritual discipline of calling out the good can actually be a great tool in witnessing. When you are hoping to share good news with an unsaved friend and point that person to Jesus, you can begin by noticing the good things happening in his or her life. Then realizing that all good things come from God, you can point your friend To the one who is showing his love on your friend. As James speaks of God here, he points to a few truths about the one who showers good gifts. First, as the father of the heavenly lights, we understand that God is majestic, He is the creator of the heavenly lights, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Second, We also see that God never changes. We grow up expecting that people change. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Think about this. The God that Abraham heard, that he worshiped, that he trusted, is the same God that you and I hear from. The same God we worship, the same God we trust today. He is the same forever faithful, forever true. Finally, God has given us birth, that is new life, through the word of truth. We were born again, given birth through the word of truth. The word of truth, in this sense, is the gospel message. We encounter the good news of the gospel, (coughs) respond to it, and apply its message to our lives. This is God's free gift offered to us and we reap its benefits when we willingly accept it. Now that we've been born by believing Jesus and receiving his good news, we are the first fruits of all he created, verse 18. First fruits is a harvest term referring to the first and the best produce or the firstborn among animals and humans. God wants the first of everything, not because he's greedy, but because he's worthy of our best and desires our trust. When we give ourselves to God, we become living examples of the great harvest God wants to bring in before the end of the world. Now that we have experienced this new birth how should these first fruits live now that they have been birthed one of the defining characteristics of god's people should be the way we listen this command to listen in james chapter 1 verse 19 is not easy one of my good friends reminds me often to listen twice before speaking This is such good wisdom and truly a mark of a mature follower of Christ. Parents, you understand how hard this is. I remember when my daughters were young, I would hear them arguing in their bedroom. The voices would eventually escalate, and I would hear something, some evidence that I needed to intervene. Upon entering the room, I might see one of the two girls doing something wrong. I would immediately speak to the one doing wrong leading with punishment before I ever decided to listen. Later, after I had dealt out the punishments, I would often discover that the situation was different than what I had initially encountered. If only I had listened first. Maybe you've been talking with someone and you find yourself thinking about what to say to that person rather than carefully listening to what that person is saying. You would not be alone in that category, I can promise you. Likely, you've been reading your Bible one morning and you read an entire chapter, thinking about some issue in your life while you read. When the chapter ended, you discovered that you had not even listened to yourself read and had no idea what the chapter was about. It's time to read the chapter again, but this time, listen. If we are going to be people of the kingdom, we must learn to listen first and listen second. Ask questions when you don't understand. Be sure that you fully get it before you speak. Dr. Stan Reeder became the regional director of USA and Canada in the Church of the Nazarene two years ago. Knowing the slow but consistent decline of the church in these two countries over the past 20 years, Dr. Reeder wanted to know what the Spirit was saying to the church. So in the spring of 2022, one year ago, he called the church to pray. As we prayed, before we made any hint of a strategy to reverse the trends, we were called to listen to the Spirit. Out of that listening, we were asked to share what we heard the Spirit saying. What amazed Dr. Reeder and his team was that the Spirit was speaking the same message into the hearts of people of every age, every field on the region, and every level of involvement in the church. The new regional strategy revealed in 2023 was developed by first listening to what the Spirit was saying to his church. Are you listening to God before you speak to him? Are you listening to others before you speak to them? Listening is characteristic of kingdom people. James also encourages believers to be slow to become angry. Quick anger, and I would say human anger, spills out of a heart that's lost and anxious. A heart born by the word of truth does not need to be defensive or abrasive. Human anger, James says, does not produce righteousness that God desires, James chapter 1, verse 20. Note that James does not say that Christians are never to become angry, but be slow to anger. The Greek language has several words for anger. One of these words, the one used here, means something like indignation. This is anger that is provoked, by what is perceived to be unfair treatment. It includes selfish resentment. This kind of anger is inconsistent with the righteousness of God. While Jesus demonstrated righteous anger in the temple, his anger never came out of of selfishness or being treated unfairly. James says, be slow to anger. I would say, allow God time to check your spirit to calm your heart, to search your motives, to respond in the right attitude and in the right tone. Christians must do more, however, than just listen. We must act to the word of God that has been planted or literally in scripture here, implanted in us. James uses an illustration of a mirror to help us understand. Imagine looking at yourself in a mirror, walking away and immediately forgetting what you look like. This is the person who hears the word, but does not do what it says. The word that we must, that we hear must cause us to act in a new way. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abram to leave his home and to go to a place that God would show him. Abram believed. He had faith, and he went, he had action. Abram was a doer of the word, planted or implanted in him, in him. Jesus called Peter to drop his nets and follow him immediately as an act of faith. Peter believed, had faith, and he followed, had action. Peter was a doer of the word implanted in him. Those who study God's word and act on what it says will be truly blessed, says James. As we move into James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, James considers what true religion looks like. The outward form of religion was very important for James. The Jewish concept of humanity believes that what, re- what we really truly believe will come out in what we do and say. So the outward actions of our religion reveal the true inner nature of our relationship with God. We can betray our lack of love and Christ likeness by what we say or by by what we do and thus negate our witness to others about the true nature of Christianity. For James, listening and acting are tied together in his understanding of true religion. Someone who truly believes will be someone who listens twice and controls his or her tongue. At the same time, in verse 27, James actually defines true religion. Pure and faultless religion, he says, looks after orphans and widows in their distress and keeps oneself from being polluted by the world. The outward expression of a pure and faultless relationship with God will take care of marginalized people in their precarious situation while remaining pure in thoughts and in actions. This is seen most clearly in Jesus as he is full of grace and truth. As our passage for this week comes to an end, James connects faith and action in James chapter 2 verses 14 to 18. Once again, James was not saying that we are made right before God by our we are made right before God by our actions. The Jewish idea was that Jews were saved by keeping the law, like dietary laws, circumcision, and other Jewish religious regulations. James agrees with the Apostle Paul that we are saved by grace through faith. He emphasizes, however, the fact that good, loving actions are the natural outflow of our faith. One layperson in the church I pastored in Houston used to say, someone cannot hear the gospel when their stomach is growling. James concludes that faith without, which does not produce good and loving actions is dead. Is your faith alive and active today? How is your listening today to God and to others? Do your actions give evidence that Jesus is alive in your heart? Let us be keep humble before the Lord and before one another, May God continue to shape us to be the kind of people that demonstrate his kingdom on this earth. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org podcast. Or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.